morning, everyone. Morning. Morning. It's a wonderful blessing to be here, as I said earlier. And um, it's going to be a very challenging message today. So anyway, we just open up the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you again for your goodness to us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would just speak through me today, Lord. Lord, this is a very challenging message to everyone here and to the society in general, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, that you'd use me mightily, Lord. We pray that you'd prepare hearts and minds ready for this message, Lord. And we also pray, Lord, that, Lord, that through this you would be glorified, Lord, and that people could see and turn to Jesus, the only answer for all our problems. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. After my last sermon on marriage, I focused predominantly on the role of, of the woman in marriage. And I have heard some feedback that um, I should present more uh, a, a role on the men and uh, on husband's role in the marriage. However, I've taken these comments to heart, but today we're not going to be preaching on that. <laughs> to, 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 Today's topic, uh, topic is really a serious topic, and, and it's also one that's very, very difficult to preach. Many churches do not preach uh, on this topic, and, but I need to, I believe that this, uh, we need to preach on this topic in particular uh, in light of some of the statistics that I will present to you today. Before I begin, I was going to ask a question. Can, uh, can I have a show of hands? Who believed that King Saul was saved? Okay. Who believes that he wasn't saved? Uh, who's unsure? Okay, right. <laughs> right, that's good. <laughs> there's, a re- there's a reason why I've asked this question, right? Um, it'll become clearer once we go through the message. Why I ask this question? Okay, today's message is actually called suicide. Will a Christian commit suicide? According to the World Health Organization, over one million people die by suicide every year. That equates to one person dying by suicide every 40 seconds. Somewhere in the world, someone has died in the last 40 seconds. 1%, 1 1.8% of all deaths are by suicide. Over the last 45 years, suicide rates worldwide have increased by 60%. And it's predicted by 2020, four years from now, that a person will die every 20 seconds by suicide. In 1999, in the USA, there were 29,199 people that died by suicide. In 2014, there were 42,773 deaths. That's 46.5% increase in suicides in 15 years. In 2013 and 2014, it was the tenth leading cause of death in the United States. And in the US, one person dies every 13 minutes. In Australia, in 2006, there were 2,118 deaths by suicide. 
And in 2015, there was 3,027. The deaths increased 43% in nine years. Last year, in 2015, of the 3,027 deaths, 2,292 uh, were male and 735 were female. Men were 3 to 3.6 <coughs> times more likely to kill themselves and die from suicide than women. In Australia, there are just over eight deaths <coughs> by suicide every day. On average, one person dies every three hours. Now consider this. In the time that you left from home, go through the church service and return home, there will be one person who would have died from suicide here in Australia. Suicide.org, um, Ken Caruso, wrote that over 90% of people who die by suicide have a mental illness at the time of their death. And the most common mental illness is depression. Do we all suffer from depression at some point in our life? Yes, probably. So, what does the dictionary, what's the dictionary definition of suicide? If you look at the modern dictionaries, it's a little bit deceiving. So, I've looked at the Webster's Dictionary of 1828. Okay. This definition is as follows. Suicide. <clears throat> it's a noun. Latin. It comes from Latin. It's suicidium. Se and codi, uh, code, uh, coedo. To slay. One. Suicide is self-murder, the act of designing, designingly destroying one's own life. To constitute suicide, the person must be of years of discretion and of sound mind. Two, one guilty of self-murder, a phileo de se. Phileo de se in Latin is for felon of himself. The dictionary defines that suicide is self-murder. This is really important when we come back, to, and we'll come back to this a little bit later as we go through the message. So, so what does the Bible say about self-murder? What does it say about suicide? And who has committed suicide? Well, in the Bible, there are actually six people that have committed suicide. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at those six people, uh, look at a little bit more about the character and uh, we'll have some conclusions a little bit later. The first man to kill himself was Abimelech. So, first bit of scripture. Turn to Judges. We're going to go to Judges chapter 9 and verse 50. Judges chapter 9 verse 50. We're going to be flipping through scripture a lot today. So... Hope you have all your fingers nice and warmed up. It'll warm me up for the cold weather. Judges chapter 9 verse 50. And it says, And when Abimelech, uh, 
and then went Abimelech to Thebes and encamped against Thebes and took it. And there was a strong tower within the city, and thither fell, uh, fled all the men and women, and all they of the city, and shut it, in, uh, it to them, and get them up to the top of the tower. And Abimelech came in unto the tower, and fought against it, and went hard unto the door of the tower, to burn it with fire. And a certain woman cast a piece of millstone upon Abimelech's head, and, uh, uh, head and all to break his skull. And he called hastily, unto the young man, his armor-bearer, and said unto him, Draw thy sword and slay me, that men say not of me, a woman slew him. And his young men thrust him through, and he died. Abimelech did not want to suffer the shame of being killed by a woman. So he wanted to kill himself. What did he do? He asked his armor-bearer to assist him in his suicide. <laughs> This is an assisted suicide. His armor bearer's job was to protect his master. But here, he's shown no love by the armor bearer to his master. And he helped him by assisting him to commit suicide. So, who is this Abimelech? What was he? What did he do? Just turn back, just go up to Judges chapter 9 verses 1. To five, and we'll just see a little bit more about who Abimelech was, and just go back up one page or so. And we're going to read from verse one to five. And Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel, went to Shechem, unto his mother's brethren, and com commuted and uh, communed with them, and with all the family of the house of his mother's father, saying, "Speak, I pray you, in the ears of all the men of Shechem, whether it is better for for you either." that all of the sons of Jerubbabel, which are threescore and ten persons, reign over you. Or one, uh, or that one reign over you. Remember also that I am your bone and your flesh. And his mother's brethren spake of him in the ears of all the men of Shechem. All these words, and their hearts inclined to follow Abimelech. For they said, He is our brother. And they gave him three... And they gave him threescore and ten pieces of silver out of the house of Baal Bereth, wherewith Abimelech hired vain and light persons which followed him. And he went unto his father's house at Ophrah, uh, <laughs> and slew his brethren, the sons of Jerubbabel, being threescore and ten persons upon one stone, notwithstanding yet Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, was left, for he hid himself. Abimelech was the son of Jerubbabel, and who was Jerubbabel? He was also known as Gideon. We see in verse 5 that he was a murderer, and that he killed 70 of his brothers, Gideon's other sons, so that he could rule over the people. So through murder and deceit, by conspiring with the people of Shechem, he killed his brethren. Now, look down again at just verse 57 in that same, same chapter. 56 at verse 57. And it says here, Thus rendered the wickedness of Abimelech, which he did unto his father, in slaying his seventy men. And all the evil the men of Shechem did God render upon their heads, and upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubbabel. We see here that his death by self-murder is actually a judgment of God. 
Now, the second and third person that commits suicide uh, uh, was King Saul and his armor bearer. So let's just go forward a little bit now to 1 Samuel chapter 31. And then we read verses 1 to 6. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 31. 1 Samuel 31, verses 1 to 6. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. Sorry. (laughs) 1 Samuel 31. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from the Philistines, and fell down slain among uh, Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Melchishua, Saul's sons. And the battle was sore against Saul, and the archers hit him. And he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not. For he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. Here we see that Saul was wounded like Abimelech earlier, but this time by an arrow of the Philistines. And he also likewise wanted to commit to suicide. As, for, as, as in the case of Abimelech, he wanted an assisted suicide from his armor-bearer. But this time the armor-bearer refused to follow that old command. So Saul himself fell on his own sword and killed himself. His armor-bearer likewise, when he saw Saul had, was dead, he killed himself. Now, the thing about the armor-bearer, we don't really know too much about Saul's armor-bearer. But what we know that his duties were was an armor-bearer's role was to carry the weapons um, and shield and all that type of things for Saul into battle or for his master. He would also stay at his master's side through the battle and be fighting with him. Now, sometimes when the master would have injured someone, it was the duty of the armor-bearers to finish that person off while they were wounded. The requirement of an armor bearer was loyalty and love and their master, uh, to their master and bravery in battle. Now you would understand from what I just said about the armor bearer's role was to finish off those who were wounded. Why Abimelech and Saul requested that the armor bearers would kill them when they got wounded in battle. So, who is Saul? Well, most people can answer a bit more about Saul, but let's just go and see what Scripture says. Just turn back to 1 Samuel 15, just a few pages back, and we're going to read from 1 to 3. 1 Samuel 15, verses 1. It says, Samuel said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that of Amalek, uh, which, that which Amalek did to Israel, how he, wait, he laid in wait for him in the way, and when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, 
and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Alright, so from what we hear, we see that um, Saul was anointed as the first king of Israel by Samuel the prophet. And also another thing that we notice here in this part of passage of scripture is that Samuel commanded from God that Saul was to go and destroy the, the nation of Amalek and destroy everything, destroy it from the face of the earth. So he was meant to destroy men, women, children, um, and all the animals and everything. <coughs> so the question we go ask yourself, did Saul obey this commandment? I'll just go down a few, few more page, um, verses to verse 7 and 9. And Saul smote Amalek from Havilah until, uh, until thou comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And took Agag, the king of the Amal Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse, they destroyed utterly. Saul did not obey the commandment of God. So now my question earlier was, was Saul a saved man? Okay, look at verse 10 and 11. It says here, um, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Saul turned away from following God. So he didn't follow God. God says that Saul turned his back from following him and was not a saved man. So let's look for more evidence. You know? Maybe people think that he could lose his salvation, but he wasn't saved from the beginning. Let's go to 1 Samuel 22. We're going to read 1 Samuel 22 and verse 6 to 9. 1 Samuel 22, and it says here, 1 22 verse 6. When Saul heard that David was discovered, and the men that were with him now abode in Gilboa, uh, Gilbeah, uh, under a tree in Ramah, having his spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing about him. Then Saul said unto his servants that stood about him, Hear now, ye Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards, and make you all captains of thousands, captains of hundreds, that all of you have, uh, that all of you have conspired against me, and there is none that showeth me that my son hath made assureth uh, me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse. And there is none of you that is sorry for me, or showeth unto me that my son hath stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait unto this day. Then answered Dueg, the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse come to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitotob. And he inquired of the Lord of him, and gave him victuals, and gave him the sword of Goliath the, the Philistine. Then the king sent and called Abimelech the priest, 
the son of Hetab, and all his father's house, and priests that were in, at Innob. And they came, all of them, to the king. And Saul said, Hear now, thou son of Ahitab. And he answered, I, Here I am, my lord. And Saul said unto him, Why have you conspired against me, thou and the son of Jesse, uh, the son of Jesse in that thou hast given me him bread and the sword, and hast inquired of God of him, that he would, should raise up against me to lie in wait unto this, as is this day. Alright? Then, we're going to go to verse 19. And Ahimelech answered the king, and said, Who is so... Is so faithful among all thy servants as David, which is the king's son-in-law, and goeth at thy bidding, and is honourable in thine house. Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me, let not the king impute anything unto his servants, nor all his house of my father. For thy servant knew nothing of all this, less or more. And the king said, Thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech thou and all thy father's house. And the king said unto the footmen that stood about him, Turn and slay the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not show it to me. But the servants of the kings would not do, uh, put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, Turn thou and fall upon the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned, and he fell upon the priests, and slew on that day fourscore and five persons, and did wear uh, that did wear a linen ephod. And Nob the city of the priests smote he with the edge of the sword, both men, women, children, and suckling, and oxen, and ass, and sheep with the edge of the sword. Now here we read an account of King Saul killing innocent priests of God and the innocent family members. He destroyed these holy men's family the way that he should have destroyed Amalek. But here he pursued and destroyed God's people, God's servants. Now, is this a character of a nature of a man that followed after God? It sounds more like a dictator who's not saved. Now, just turn to uh, 1 Samuel 28, just a few more chapters ahead, and verse... 7. Okay, and verse 7 says, Then Saul said unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. Here we see again Saul seeking a person with a familiar spirit. Now, this was totally forbidden by God. I just turn back to Leviticus chapter 28. Uh, 20, Leviticus 20, sorry. Leviticus 20, verse 6. Leviticus 20, verse 6 says, And the soul that turneth after such as have familiar spirits and after wizards to go a whoring after them. I will even set my face against that soul and will cut him off from among his people. God said that if you seek a familiar spirit, he'll turn away from you and you will die. Now, does this sound like a saved man? No, it doesn't. Eh? Now, the fourth person to commit suicide was 
Ahitophel. Turn to 2 Samuel 17. 2 Samuel chapter 17. Samuel verse chapter 17 verse 23 and when Ahitophel saw that his counsel was not followed he saddled his ass arose and get him home to his house to his city and put his household in order and hanged himself and died and was buried in the sepulchre of his father so we see a man here who's just hung himself so who was this Ahitophel just turn Turn back just one, two chapters to 2 Samuel 15, and we're going to look at verse 12. 12. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a con uh, controversy came to the king for judgment, Absalom called, it, uh, called unto him. Oh, sorry, I'm the wrong one. Sorry. Verse 12, I'll read verse 2. Sorry. And Absalom sent for Ahitophel, the Gibbelonite, David's counselor, from his city, even from Giblon, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. From this here we can see that Ahitophel was a counselor of David, Absalom's father. And he has conspired against David to go and join and go in league with Absalom. So if we just go just one chapter further to 2 Samuel, chapter 16, verse, verses 20 to 22. And he was a counselor, so he would give advice to the king. So what we're going to see here in this section is what advice he gives. And it'll give you a little bit more idea of what his character is. Okay, one, uh, 2 Samuel 16, verse 20, it says, And then said Absalom to Hittophel, Give counsel among you what you should do. And Hittophel said unto Absalom, Go into thy father's concubines, which he hath left, to keep the house. And all Israel shall hear that thou art aboard of thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. So they spread, so they spread, uh, so they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house. And Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Here we see the heart of Ahithophel. He's counseled Absalom to defile his father's house. And that clearly is not a character of a Christian or a believer. The fifth person who committed suicide was Zimri. Now who's Zimri? Turn to 1 King. We're going forward. 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16. Verses 10 to 19. Okay, 1 Kings 16, verses 10. And it says, And Zimri went in and smote him, and killed him in the twenty and seventh year of Asa, king of uh, Judah, and reigned in his stead. And it came to pass, when he began to reign, as soon as he sat on his throne, that he slew all the house of Baasha, and he left not one that pisses against a wall, neither of his kingsfolk nor of his friend. Thus did Zimri destroy all of the house of Baasha, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake against Baasha by Jehu the prophet. For all the sons of Baasha and the sons of Eli, Eliah, uh, his sons, 
by which they sinned, by which they made Israel to sin in provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their vanities. Now the rest of the acts of Eliah uh, and all that he did are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. In the twenty and seventh year, Asa, king of Judah, did Zimri reign seven days in Tuzza, uh, and the people were encamped against Gebethon, uh, Gebethon, and which belonged to the Philistines. And the people that were encamped heard say, Zimri has conspired and hath also slain the king. Wherefore all Israel made Omri the captain of the host, king over Israel, that day in the camp. And Omri went up from Gilbethon, Bethon, and all Israel with him, and they besieged Tirzah. And it came to pass, when Zimri saw that the city was taken, that he went into the palace of the king's house, and burnt the king's house over him with fire, and died. Uh, for his sins, which he sinned in doing evil in the sight of the Lord, in walking in the way of Jeroboam, and his, and his sins, which he did to make Israel to sin. Zimri conspired against um, his king, again another conspirer, and murdered him and um, his whole family, his whole, all the heirs of the family. And he reigned in his stead. He was a murderer and he was a deceitful person. But when his fortunes turned, he killed himself and set fire to the king's house with himself inside. Now if you read verse 19 again, it says, For, this, for his sins which he sinned in doing evil in the sight of the Lord, in walking the way of Jeroboam. We follow that. We see that Zimri followed Jeroboam. And Jeroboam made Israel to sin by creating calves of gold so that they would worship instead of going worshiping the true God. This was an evil and an unsaved man. Now the sixth and the last person we're going to look at who committed suicide was? Well done. <laughs> was Judas Iscariot. Let's look at Matthew. Matthew chapter 27. There's, there's reasons why I'm going through these people. And um, you'll understand a little bit better when we go through the next, next little section. Matthew 27 verses uh, 3 to 5. Matthew chapter 27 verse 3. Then Judas, which, was betray which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought uh, again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went in, went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver piece and said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury, because it is the price of blood. We see here that after Judith had betrayed Jesus, he went and hanged himself. So was Judas the saved man? We see that Judas was with Jesus throughout his ministry of over three years. He was the inner circle of Jesus' Jesus's ministry. He cast out demons. He performed miracles. Judas did all those things. He had excellent teaching, and he had wonderful works, but he was a lost man. Turn to John chapter 13, just a few chapters ahead. John chapter 13. 
And this is also a very important bit of scripture which we're looking at because it's, it'll tie into a lot of other things later on. John chapter 13, verse 21. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one to another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus, Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be, uh, of whom he spake. Then uh, he then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus said, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said unto him, That thou doest, doeth quickly. Satan possessed Judas. No saved person can be possessed by any demon, even the chief of demons, Satan. Now what we've done in this, in this brief section here is we've looked at the Bible and looked at six men who have committed suicide. All of them, except for Saul's uh, armor bearer, which we know nothing of, were wicked, evil men, unsaved, unbelievers, rejecting the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So now we've looked at a bit of history. So in our modern day and society, how is this going to help us? The question is, why do people commit suicide? Now, Dr. Sam Vatnin, who wrote Suicide, uh, The Murder of Self, says, Those who commit suicide do so because they firmly believe in the finiteness of life and the finality of death. They prefer termination to continuation. The key motivators of suicide are typically psychological pain and a deep sense of helplessness. Now, Dr. J Thomas Joyner, in his book Lonely at the Top, wrote, uh, the, Lonely at the Top, The High Cost of Men's Success, wrote that on top of these key motivators that I just mentioned, there were three additional requirements that if all these are um, fulfilled, a person will commit will attempt suicide. The first additional one is a sense of not belonging, of being alone. Second one is a sense of not contributing or being a burden. And three, a capability for suicide, of not being afraid to die. Now, let's turn back to 1 Kings, chapter 19. 1 Kings, chapter 19. One Kings chapter nineteen, and what are we going to read is from verses one to four. <clears throat> and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more so, also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow. 
about this time. And when he saw that he, when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, where which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he may die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Elijah had just defeated and slayed the prophets of Baal, and was expecting that Israel would turn back to God. But Jezebel sent a messenger to him, letting him know that he wanted, that she wanted to kill him, and that tomorrow, that time, she would kill him. In the passage that we read, did Elijah suffer psychological pain? Did he feel helpless? Did he feel alone? Did he feel like he was not contributing? Did he want to die? The answer is yes to all these questions. You can read more in detail if you just go and study the section, how Elijah felt. But did he commit suicide? No, he did not. What he did want, um, what did, did he do? What did he do when he was in this situation? Just look at verse 4. It says here, But he said, But he went a day's journey to the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he may die, and said, It is enough, Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. What did Elijah do? He actually asked God to take away his life. He realized and knew that his life was not his own and that he had no right to kill himself. You can find the same pattern throughout the Bible. When you have some time, go and look at Jonah, look at Job, you can even look at David, and you'll see this throughout the, the, the scriptures that they may have portrayed the classic symptoms of someone who would commit suicide. All candidates for suicide. All men of God. But none kill themselves. They all acknowledge that God had authority over their lives. And they always would request God to take away their life. Thomas Aquinas said, Suicide is not only unnatural. Organisms strive to survive. Not to self-annihilate. But it does also adversely affects the community and violates God's property rights. God owns the soul and it is a gift to the individual. There is a question that always comes up when one talks about suicide. And the question is, will a believer ever commit suicide? So let's turn back to Exodus. We'll look at some scriptures to get a better idea on how to answer this. Exodus chapter 20, okay, and verse 13. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, and this is repeated, the same repeat, is repeated in Deuteronomy 5, 17. It says, Thou shalt not kill. Sixth commandment. Thou shalt not kill. Deuteronomy 5, 17 says the same thing. 
The commandment is clear. Thou shalt not kill. Now, go right to the back of the Bible. We can look at 1 John 3. 1 John chapter 3. And verse 15. 1 John chapter 3 verse 15 says, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. As we read from the Webster's Dictionary definition, suicide is self-murder. John says that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Turn back a few chapters to Galatians. I'm going to go to Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to read verse 19 to 21. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. It says here, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adulteries, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatreds, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I also have told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul clearly states, murderer shall not inherit the kingdom of God. From, the examples, from the, these examples in the Bible and scriptures quoted, it tells us that true Christians will not commit suicide. And here's, some, here's another bit of encouragement. Just turn back to Hebrews chapter 2. We've got two more scriptures on this one. Hebrews chapter 2. And we'll look at uh, verse 18. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. What does it say? For in, the, for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succour them that are tempted. Jesus is able to succour, to come to the aid of the Christian when they tempted with this suicide. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Just a couple of chapters back. And verse 13. This is a real encouragement for a Christian. And that they would never, will never commit suicide. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. This is a very key verse. Not only for suicide, but for your life. Whenever you go through a trial, it says here, There hath no temptation taken you, but that, uh, but such as is common in man to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. God promises a Christian that all temptations will be only limited to our own ability to bear it. 
And that with each temptation that we have, there is an escape route. There's a way out. So now where do we see this in scripture? Of this exact um, example where someone had a way out. Turn to Acts. Let's go to Acts. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And we're going to read from verse 25. Acts 16, 25. Okay, 16 verse 25. And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosened. And the keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled, had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. Uh, in his house. And he took them the same hour to, uh, of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized. He and all his straight away. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Here we have the Philippian jailer who was about to kill himself and go to a lost eternity. But Paul stepped in. Paul stopped him and had the gospel and preached the gospel to him. And he got saved with his family. Isn't that amazing? Now I'll turn to 1 Samuel. I'm going to go I'm going to go over something here which is also very very Interesting topic. 1 Samuel chapter 28. 1 Samuel 28, sorry. 1 Samuel 28. Okay. 1 Samuel 28, and we're going to read from verse 7 to verse 20. This is a very important thing as well, and it has to do a lot to do with suicides. 1 Samuel 7, 28. Then Saul sent his servant, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. Uh, and his servant said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiments, and he went, and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the, the familiar spirit, and bring me him up, whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest that Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits, and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul, and Saul swear by her, uh, to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Isn't that funny, eh? Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice, and the woman spake to Saul, saying, 
Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending up out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he? And she said, An old man cometh up. He is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed. For the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then, uh, then dost thou ask of me, seeing God is, that the Lord is departed from thee, and has become thine enemy? And the Lord, the Lord hath done to him as he hath spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thy hand, and given it to thy neighbour, even to David. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executed his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee in this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me, and the Lord also shall deliver the hosts of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Okay. Uh, oh, verse 20 as well. Um, then Saul felt straightway along on the earth, and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had not eaten no bread all day, nor all night. Alright, another question. Who here, a show of hands, thinks that the prophet Samuel appeared here? The actual prophet Samuel. Who thinks it was not for Samuel? Who doesn't know? <laughs> okay. Now this is really important. Why I, why I went through this section. Of, of who appeared to Saul. Now let's look at this. Verse 13 says. Uh, verse 13 says, And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. Okay? Throughout scripture, gods have always been associated with demons. In verse 14, we see it says that, uh, verse 14 says, And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. He perceived, he assumed it was, but he did not know for sure. And verse 19, uh, okay, and verse 16 to 18, we see that um, the Samuel explains to Paul and Saul things that he already knew. That Samuel had said before that God was going to rip the, the, the kingdom away from him. But read verse 19, it's very important. Moreover, Lord said, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee unto the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. And the Lord shall deliver the house unto the Philistines. Tomorrow thou and thy son shall be with me. Well, question to you is, do you think Saul may have thought that if he killed himself, he would be with Samuel and they would be in paradise? Is it not possible from that there where a Samuel, the spirit of Samuel, says that you'll be with me, would be an encouragement to someone to commit suicide. 
This Samuel told him that he would. Did this message make him not feel fear death? Would he not fear death if he knew oh, I'll be with Samuel and in God, with God? So was this the true Samuel that appeared to Saul? Question you could ask yourself. Do you think God, a holy God, who forbids the use of witchcraft, which we read earlier, would go against his own commandments and allow the real Samuel to appear? There's even proof. Okay, let's look at 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles, chapter 10. 1 Chronicles, chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Chronicles, chapter 10, verse 13 said, So Saul died for his transgressions, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. Who's it? Familiar spirit, right? Just mentioned just a few things earlier. So it was not Samuel. Clearly, here the spirit that appeared to Saul was a demon or familiar spirit of the, the woman at Endor. And was not, and it was not Samuel. And for this, Saul killed himself. We see here also the case of Judas, which we read earlier, that Satan entered Judas and possessed him. So of the six people that we looked at in Scripture, two of the six killed themselves after having some demonic influence in their life or interaction with a demon or being possessed. So how is this relevant today? You know, we looked at Scripture and people think demons are all gone and, you know, demon possession is all gone. But is this relevant for today's, uh, today, in our modern day? Here's something else for you to think about. For every suicide that takes place, that is successful, there are 25 attempted suicides that have not been successful. 25. For Australia, that would be 75,675 people who have attempted suicide. Now, to put this into perspective, what 75,000 people would look like, that is the combined population of Coburg, Coburg North, Faulkner, Pasco Vale, Pasco Vale South and Hatfield. That's how many people have attempted suicide in Australia alone. By the end of this message, eight to nine people would have attempted suicide in Australia. Now, <clears throat> Dr. Lickerman from Psychology Today, in his research uh, of survivors of suicides, has found six reasons people attempt suicide and has written this in his blog. He's not a saved man, okay? The first reason is they are depressed. This is without question the most common reason people commit suicide. Severe depression is always accompanied by a pervasive sense of suffering as well as the belief 
that escape is uh, from it is hopelessness. Okay. Listen to this. This is the real eye shocker. The second reason why people commit suicide or attempt suicide is they're psychotic. Malevolent inner voices often command self-destruction for unintelligible reasons. Psychosis is much harder to mask than depression and is arguably even more tragic. The worldwide incidence of schizophrenia is 1%. Schizophrenics are just as likely to talk freely about the voices commanding them to kill themselves as not and and also in my experience give honest answers about thoughts of suicide when asked directly. Untreated or poorly treated psychosis almost always requires hospital admission to a locked ward until the voices lose their commanding power. Number three, they're impulsive. Often related to drugs and alcohol, some people become uh, maudlin and impulsively attempt to end their own lives. Once sober and calm, these people usually feel emphatically ashamed. Number four, they're crying out for help and don't know how else to get it. These people usually don't want, uh, don't usually want to die, but want to alert those around them that something is seriously wrong. Number five, they have a, physio a physiological desire to die. The decision to commit suicide for some is based on a reasoned decision, often motivated by the presence of a painful terminal illness from which little or no hope of reprieve exists. <coughs> and number six, they, make a they made a mistake. This is a recent tragic phenomenon among, uh, in which typically young people flirt with oxygen deprivation for, for a high it brings and simply go too far. Okay. I want to focus on basically two of those reasons, briefly. One, psych they're psychotic and two, they're impulsive. The key reason for impulsive nature of suicide is the taking of drugs or alcohol. Throughout history, man has used drugs and alcohol to get in touch with the spiritual world. The witch doctors of Africa, the shamans and the medicine men of North America, the gurus of Asia. It is well known fact that when people take alcohol or drugs, their inhibitions are lowered and they're more prone to, to take risky behavior and open to demonic influences. The psychotic reasons again is clearly, it's clearly demons urging self-destruction. Satan's and his demons hate mankind and want to destroy him wherever they can. Remember that every human being is created in God's image and, hate, and, God, uh, and Satan hates God's image just as much as he hates God. Turn to Mark chapter 9. There is a solution. Mark chapter 9. I'm going to read from verse 17 to 27. Mark chapter 9. And it says, 
And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And whithersoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth uh, with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? Uh, how long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto, unto him? And he saith, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out, and saith with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, and say, saying unto them, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried, and rent him sore, and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he was dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Here we have a demonic spirit that tried to kill this man's son from a young age, from a child. You can see the cases here where it's talking about the, the demon tried to let this child and now this man commit suicide many times by throwing him into the fire in the water. Only Jesus Christ could cast it out through faith in Him. Now from our study in the Bible, we see that only unsaved or unbelievers have ever committed suicide or self-murder. No, 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 no saved person or believer has killed themselves or even have gone through, uh, even, even though they've gone through the incredible depression and persecution, they believed in the sanctity of life. And the giving of the taking of life was in the hands of God only. In this um, article by this um, psychologist, we have seen that also two out of the six reasons he mentions why people commit suicide or, or attempt suicide, a third of all suicides, involve some type of demonic force. We see this in the Bible. And we also see it in this blog that we saw, The Psychology Today. As I said earlier, eight people would have attempted suicide while you've been listening to me. And in one hour's time, one, some, someone will be successful in ending his life. At the end of the year, the third of the population of Faulkner would have been successfully committed suicide. And here we have, and here we sit, with the answer to stopping suicide. Faith in Jesus Christ. It is the only solution for the suicide problem. If you're listening to this message and contemplating suicide, being depressed, being alone, 
of thinking of being a burden to someone, wanting to end it all. Turn to Jesus Christ and ask Him by faith to save you. There's a hymn that says, <clears throat> Days are filled with sorrow and care, Hearts are lonely and drear, Burdens are lifted at Calvary, Jesus is very near. Burdens are lifted at Calvary, Calvary, Calvary. Burdens are lifted at Calvary, Jesus is very near. Cast your care on Jesus today, leave your worry and fear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary, Jesus is very near. Troubled soul, the Saviour can see, every heartache and tear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary, Jesus is very near. Trust in the Lord Jesus today. Ask Him to save you. And he will lift your burdens. Now turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to read <clears throat> verse 28. 28 and 29. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and, heavy, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus can solve your hopelessness. Jesus can solve and stop those voices in your head. Jesus can make you sober. Jesus can help when no one else can. Jesus can ease your, ease your pain. Trust in Him today. Now, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know someone that is suffering or going through the symptoms described in the sermon, go and spend some time with that person. Share Jesus with them. Just look at Mark chapter... Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Verse 28 and 29. This you will not find in the New Translation of the Bible. And I think it's very, very important, especially when you're looking at suicides, demon possessions and things of that nature, and demon influences. Mark chapter 9, verse 28. And, um, and when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind cometh forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Pray for those people who are going through depression. Fast for them. Ask God to save them. And don't give up. Don't give up until they're saved. Ask the church to pray for them. 
put them on the prayer list. The projections are that suicide will continue to grow. And this makes sense as we see how the true Church of Jesus Christ is having less and less influence in the world. And we know that, Christ himself says, will he find faith when he comes? It is our duty to share the good news, that Jesus Christ died for sinful men and can ease the troubled soul. Just turn a few more chapters, uh, a few more chapters forward to Mark chapter 16. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. And he said unto them, Go ye all, uh, go into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. If you're not saved, talk to someone today about your salvation. It is internally important. Don't delay. I just want to close with one quote. And it's from A.W. Pink. And he writes, Let us consider the case of murder. Suicide is self-murder and one of the most desperate crimes which can be committed. And as, uh, and as much as this sin precludes repentance on the part of its perpetrator, it is beyond forgiveness. Such creatures are so abandoned by God as to have no concern for the eternal salvation, seeing they pass into the immediate presence of their judge with their hands imbrued in their own blood. Such are self-murderers, for they destroy not only their bodies, only their bodies, but their souls too. Mm. Well done.